to y'all tonight about something that's been on my heart, stirring in my heart for months now. And the title to this little devotional is The Key to Unlocking Kingdom Greatness. The Key to Unlocking Kingdom Greatness. Y'all can go ahead and flip to Mark 9. That's where we're going to be tonight. Before you uh, flip there, though, I want to ask you to do one thing. I want you to close your eyes, and this is how we're going to start the evening. So just close your eyes, and I want you to imagine something. When you think of greatness, what comes to mind? When the world thinks of pursuing greatness, living in greatness, and teaching others what it means to be great, keep your eyes closed. We often picture personal accomplishments, large bank accounts, and legacies to be remembered for generations to come. And these might be some of the things that you thought of when you close your eyes and you imagine what it meant to be great. Now you can open your eyes. I'm going to show you a few people on these slides who are absolutely great by this world standards. The first one is Miss Taylor Swift. As many of you know, if not all of you who are on the internet, Taylor Swift has been on the most popular tour of all time. She is on a tour that is lasting years. She is worth $740 million. And in this tour alone, she has grossed over $2.2 billion in U.S. ticket sales alone. When you think of a singer, she is the first person you should think of when you think of great. The next person, LeBron James, for all my sports fans out there. His net worth is $1 billion. Arguably the greatest basketball player of all time, with four championship rings. <laughs> Who was the greatest? 
And he sat down and he called the twelve and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So here we have this story. It's a wonderful story. A little bit of background to just bring us into where we are. In the beginning of Mark, all through 1 through 8, Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples who he is, why he's here, and what's going to happen in the coming future. We know what, we know what happens to Jesus. And he explains to them in this chapter, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. So now the disciples know who Jesus is. Up, to, up till now they didn't, but they know who he is now. He's the Messiah. Even Peter said in chapter 8, I know who you are, you're the Messiah. The disciples were so eager to follow the Messiah, but what they didn't realize was the kind of Messiah Jesus would be. They thought that Jesus was going to come, and they were being very oppressed by the Romans. They were thinking that Jesus was going to come and free them from this amazing oppression that there was over their people. They were pumped. They were so excited. A Messiah has finally come. He's going to overthrow the Romans. He's going to take his kingship back to Jerusalem. He's going to completely get rid of the Roman government. And guess what? I want to be at the right hand when Jesus says that. They were thinking about it all wrong. They were thinking about the world's greatness and not the greatness that Jesus was about to show them. So after Jesus explains his death and his resurrection, the disciples, of course, did not understand what he was saying. And so they began this argument. This argument comes into play, and it says, when he was in the house, they said, what were you discussing? They kept silent. They were so ashamed and embarrassed that they had this argument on the road. They had argued, who's going to be the greatest? And I don't know about y'all, but if my kids argue about who's the greatest, who won the race all, all the time. I know you did it as kids. I know we still do it today, whether we verbalize it or not. We argue and internalize, oh, I'm greater. I'm greater than them. And it's like they were walking on the road almost, and I could just like picture them saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be right next to Jesus. When he takes over that throne, I'm going to be his right-hand man. What? No way. I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Come on, me, John. I'm going to be right there. Well, what about the sons of thunder, James and John? Oh, for surely we're going to be there. Oh, well, no, I've done more miracles. Me, Peter, or I've done this, or I've done that. You can just hear them arguing over everything that they were uh, discussing. No, I've done, more, I've done more for him. I've sacrificed more. I've worked the hardest. The disciples, in their minds in this moment, were not pursuing the greatness of Jesus. What they were pursuing is they were pursuing worldly greatness. And then it caused their focus to shift from God's kingdom to their kingdom. I don't know about y'all, but I've done this many times in my life. Oh, what can this world give me? How can I be served? What's in it for me? How can I grow in power? How can I grow in wealth? How can I grow in status? The disciples were wrestling with these questions because they wanted to be but it wasn't true greatness in the eyes of Jesus. It was worldly greatness, and it caused their focus to get off of Jesus' kingdom and onto theirs. The disciples' pursuit of worldly greatness led to pride and comparison. Many other times in the Bible, the disciples thought this same thing. The Romans are coming, and we're going to be the greatest. We're going to be right next to Jesus. They argued about this in other accounts. I want to be the right-hand man. I want to be next to Jesus. 
because of this, their pride was just puffed up and they were comparing themselves, comparing the accomplishments that they had done for Jesus. And once again, it caused their focus to be off of the kingdom of God and onto their own kingdom. And lastly, the disciples' pursuit of worldly greatness, it left them embarrassed and silent before Jesus. They didn't even know what to say when Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? They were so ashamed that when they did this, they were made, uh, taking his name in a wrong way. And once Jesus came back into the picture, they felt silly, obviously, for the way that they acted, ashamed, empty. And then Jesus says something amazing that we'll get to in a moment. And I just want to bring this into our perspective because when we think of greatness, oftentimes the first thing that we think of is worldly greatness, like these people that I showed you. Because this is something that our flesh desires and that our flesh wants. And it's been this way for history. And I just want to give this little illustration that in the world, the idea of power, a great man is distinguished by how many people can serve him. In ancient China, it was gross and fashionable for wealthy men to grow out their fingernails so long to where they couldn't do anything. And I know that sounds really gross if y'all seen those pictures in the Guinness World Book of Records. This is so disgusting. But they purposely did that to make a statement like, I'm not lifting a finger. You servant, you servant, you serve me. I'm important. I have status. I have wealth. And I have power. And I want you to serve me. Y'all, that is the world's view of greatness. Whether someone grows out their fingernails or not, that is what the world views as greatness. I want people to serve me. How can I grow in status, wealth, power, etc., so the world can serve me? But here's what Jesus comes and does that is so beautiful. In the second part of the scene, in verse 35 through 37, Jesus says, hey, I want everybody to come sit down, and I'm going to teach you something. So everybody sits down, and Jesus says this. If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. I can just imagine Jesus saying this and the disciples feeling like, oh man, he just dropped a truth bomb on us. Like, we should not have been arguing about that. And so they're kind of, they're kind of getting a little glimpse of what he means. But then the next thing that Jesus does is so beautiful. He takes a kid and he brings the kid to himself and he sets the kid on his lap. And he says this, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me, which is God. So Jesus says this, and then he brings a kid. Well, what does a kid have to do with anything? This is what Jesus was trying to say when he brought this kid. In this time, a kid was regarded as nothing more than property. A kid was not valued. A kid had no worth. And Jesus brings this kid. And he sits him in his lap. And he says, if you can serve this kid, you will be the greatest of all and you will receive me. One who is regarded as nothing. One who is seen as nothing more than property. Someone who does not express thanks very often. Someone who cannot pay you back. Someone who you will profit nothing from. Absolutely nothing. And I can imagine a 
as they're sitting there and they're seeing this displayed, the beauty of Jesus in his heart just coming forward. If you would just serve like me, if you would just see this kid like I see them. Think about this in our own lives. Who is the kid in our lives, in our 21st century life? Think of people who may fit into this category that Jesus is bringing this kid into. Because he calls us to serve everyone. But let's be honest, it's easy to serve people who are high in society. It's easy to serve pastorally, right? Like, let's just be honest here, okay? It's easy to serve the pastors. It's easy to serve the people that are popular, people that are rich, well-liked, well-groomed. Because oftentimes, if we're like really honest with ourselves, we serve people with a hope in the back of our mind, I'm going to gain something from this. I'm going to profit something from this. Whether we say it or not, we know it in the back of our mind. The flesh is just eating at us like, yeah, I'll gain something from this. Maybe they'll like me more if I serve them. Maybe I can be a part of their circle. Maybe I can get that promotion if I keep serving my boss. Maybe I can be praised by the pastors on stage for my servant's heart. Jesus knew this about the disciples and about us. And so he brings this little child to flip the script and to tell us that what you think about greatness, what you think about worldly greatness is completely wrong. I'm going to redefine what greatness is, and I want you to follow in that way. So think about it in our lives. Will we serve? the homeless people on the street, whether we think they're homeless or not. The prostitutes, the drunkards, the drug addicts. We'll bring it a little bit more into home. Our neighbors, even if they're weird. I got some weird neighbors. I got some great neighbors too. What if your neighbor makes too much noise? What if they have annoying habits? They won't cut their grass for Pete's sake. Like it's making your yard look horrible. Are you gonna serve them? What about your aging parents, grandparents, knowing that they could never repay you? Maybe they can't even thank you. What about your spouse? Even when they got on your last nerve, oh God, I do not want to serve them. I'm going to show him God. That never happens. Love you, babe. <laughs> I'm going to show him. I'm not going to serve him. What about our children? This hits home for me so much right now. Even though they hardly say thank you. And it's very difficult to do. Am I going to serve them? What about the people in this church? The people who are a little different than you. The people who you never talk to because you think they're a little bit strange. Maybe those who will never be able to pay you. Think about these people. Jesus calls us to be servants to everyone. And I know that everyone seems kind of lofty, so I just want to make it a little bit more personal in those ways. Who are these people that God has called you to serve? Despite age, despite socioeconomic status, despite race, despite friend groups, popularity, y'all, no one is unworthy. No one is too low. No one is too far gone for you to serve. Jesus served this child in front of the disciples to give them a picture that we are called to serve those who can't pay you back, those who you're not going to gain anything from, those who are never going to repay you. God has called us to be a servant to all, and that is what true kingdom greatness is. God is asking us as his children, who will you not serve? 
Because that's where your ministry stops. We've heard Pastor Lee say it so many times. Who's the person that you're not going to wash their feet? Because that's where your ministry stops. Who are you having trouble serving? Ask God to help you in that area. Because if we want to be great in the kingdom of God, servanthood equals kingdom greatness. So as I wrap this up, I just want to, I want you to picture something with me that I pray will just bring this home. So I want you to picture that, I just want you to picture that this wall is lined with doors. Okay? So we've got some doors here. The first door is titled Wealth. Okay? And around this door, you can see millions of dollars, bars of gold, tons of money, full bank accounts. Man, that door looks good, right? That door looks real good. Okay? Then the next door, we've got the door that says Vanity. It's lined with some beautiful and handsome people. Those big makeup lights, lots of pretty makeup, lots of pretty things. Man, that door looks really good too. I could have a nice physique at that door. <laughs> I could look good at that door. Okay, so those are some, some good options. Then the next door, popularity. And this is really, really a big door for our young people. Millions of followers at this store. Tons of Instagram likes, tons of shares, and endless notifications hitting up my dopamine. Y'all know it's true. That door looks really nice. Okay? So these doors all look great, right? And then there's a fourth door, and it's titled Servanthood. This door is very unassuming. It's very plain, and it's very simple. And at this store, you walk a little closer up to it, the closer you get, you see a wash basin and a towel. Then you see a calendar where you've crossed off things that you really wanted to do because you're sacrificing your time for someone else. You see the skin of your pride so disgusting because that has to be left at the door too. So you've got these doors and imagine Jesus hands you the keys and he says, go unlock kingdom greatness. Which one are you going to choose? If we're honest with ourselves, that servanthood door looks really, really difficult to choose. Because all these things are great in the world standards, and they're flashy, and they're beautiful. But y'all, they only last for a moment. Because you go to door number one, and you open the wealth door, and what's behind it? Burned up money. Nothing left to show for all the money you gained. Those bank accounts are empty on the other side. That money is burned and wasted up. And the people who choose that door are going to find that on the other side, it's nothing. But what about the vanity door? Well, surely I'm going to be beautiful and all these things. I'm going to be really fit and have a great body. I'm amazing. And you walk through 
And guess what's on the other side? Wrinkles. <laughs> Prescription medications piled to the ceiling because your body doesn't work anymore. Wheelchairs, walkers. That's what's on the other side of the Well, what about the popularity tour? It all looks so nice. All those followers I have. I have so many followers. They share my content. They love me. They eat up my stuff. You open up the door, and it's one single chair alone in a dark room. Nobody is there. Just you. But what about, what about the servanthood door? Jesus gives you that key, and as you unlock it, the first thing you see is true greatness himself. You see Jesus, and he's on a street of gold. And as you behold him, and as you walk that street of gold, all of a sudden you realize, oh my gosh, I'm holding tons of crowns. And I get to lay them at Jesus' feet. Not to take pride in what I've done, but to know that what I did for him was not in vain. All those countless hours I spent, they were for you, Jesus. And I lay them at your feet, and then I turn around and I realize that there is a line of people. And yes, they're going to see Jesus, but wait a minute, they're also coming up to me. Thank you, they say. Thank you. Thank you for the way you served me a meal when I was sick. I saw Jesus in you. Thank you for sacrificing your Christmas presents to buy something nice for my kid. I see Jesus in you. Thank you for giving of your time and driving me to and from work for months when I didn't have a car. Thank you. I saw Jesus in you. Thank you for taking care of me in my old age when I was too old and brittle to take care of myself. Thank you. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for serving me so well with Christ's love throughout my childhood. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me when no one else would. Thank you for your servant's heart, these people would say. Because of you, I saw true kingdom greatness, which led me to the kingdom. Y'all, I don't know about you, but if Jesus were to hand me these keys in front of these doors, I want to truly say that I would pick the servanthood door. Because it's a choice that we have. Am I going to pick up my cross and deny myself? Because that's what it takes. But Jesus... And the Holy Spirit who indwells us every day of our lives as believers gives us the power and the boldness and the grace to walk this out if only we will ask him. So tonight I just want to challenge us, which door will you choose? As his children, he has given us a key to unlocking kingdom greatness. Will we unlock it by becoming a servant? Or will we choose one of these things on this side of heaven? that is eventually going to go on.
So I just encourage you as we worship with this last song. I just urge you as brothers and sisters to examine your heart. Can we just ask the Lord in a vulnerable state? God, please expose the people in our lives that we think are unservable. Maybe they're too far gone. Maybe they're too unloving and I just don't want to serve them. Maybe they're too annoying. Maybe they have offended me in some way and I do not want to serve them at all, God. Let's just be vulnerable for a moment and ask God to address our hearts because when we really are vulnerable, we see that these things are there. Or maybe you are serving really well. Maybe you are serving and you just need refreshment from the King tonight. Maybe you are serving and you are pouring yourself out as a drink offering, like Paul said, and you need His Spirit to just come and fill you and His supernatural energy to continue in what God has called us to do. So I would just encourage you, in one of those places, can we just ask God, God, help me to choose the way of the servant. Help me to unlock true kingdom greatness as I choose that servant word door. For that is where we truly unlock kingdom greatness. And through that, y'all, we can impact our brothers and sisters.